There is no joy in Mudville as Ohio State basketball loses its third straight. We will make sense of what happened, but we're going to take the long view because I promise things are never as bad as they seem. Well, unless you're Michigan, in which case it's perennially always as bad as it seems. Little humor there. Welcome to the Locked on Buckeyes podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Lamb. Thanks for giving us a listen to your daily Ohio State football and basketball podcast. I'm excited to kick off 2020 in style. We've been growing. I'm really thankful that thanks for giving us a listen. You can continue to let all your friends and family know about us. Just have them find and follow Locked on Buckeyes on your favorite podcasting platform. We're on Apple, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, or simply say, play the Lock on Buckeyes on your smart speakers. Catch me on Twitter at KYLAM8. Catch the show at Lock on Buckeye. Today, we will talk about that Ohio State basketball game. I'll tell you why it's not as bad as it seems. I'll tell you what Ohio State does need to improve on and what they do not need to improve on despite the appearances of this three-game losing streak. And Ohio State football, a couple of recruiting notes. We'll talk a little bit about Ohio State and their 2021 recruiting efforts for football because they've got a commitment pick, picked up on Tuesday, another one probably coming on Wednesday, and a critique that I've heard about Ohio State recruiting under Ryan Day that I just not that I don't think has any merit. I'll tell you what that is coming up a little bit later as well. It was a third straight loss for Ohio State basketball Tuesday night on the road at Maryland. Please don't Go chasing waterfalls, to quote the the old TLC song back in the the mid nineties. Boy, that really takes me back to my to my teenage days. But no, seriously, don't look for a bridge to jump off because this is not the end of the world for Ohio State. Look, I'm not going to tell you that Ohio State doesn't have problems here, but there aren't many problems. Really, it comes down to one singular problem, and that's turnovers. I know people aren't real happy with the way Ohio State is shooting the ball right now, but you have to trust me. This isn't just me saying, oh guys, everything is going to be okay as, as the world crumbles behind me. Okay. This is not propaganda. This is not looking through the scarlet and gray colored lenses. I am telling you, I've been around the game, watched it a long time. Look, I'm not the all knowing expert here, but I'm telling you, I, I, I know what I'm seeing here with Ohio state and there's nothing to be concerned, concerned about long-term. Now, let me preface this comment also by saying Ohio State has a tough schedule here. They have a tough grind. So as far as the Big Ten is concerned, yes, if if your goal and your objective is to see Ohio State potentially win the Big Ten Conference this year, they're going to have to pick up the slack really soon because you can't go digging yourself a three, four, five loss start to conference play and hope to win a title. So if, if the Big Ten is one of your primary objectives, then yes, Ohio State losing these games right now, it is a real concern because they could dig themselves a huge hole that they can't climb out of in the conference race. But as far as the NCAA is concerned, the tournament and seeding and all that, they're still in great shape. And that's just not, that's not being a homer. That's just guys and gals. They were 15th in the net rankings coming into this game. 17th, I think it was. They have a great resume. I know the North Carolina win is losing some of its luster, but it's still going to count as a good road win. Right now, it's a Category 2 win. The committee will take a look at that at the end of the season and realize that it was won with Cole Anthony and, and before the 
rash and pile of injuries started for North Carolina. They still have wins against Villanova and Penn State and Kentucky on a neutral floor. And there is an opportunity for so many good wins coming up in the Big Ten. So if they get hot, look, the NIT, folks, people saying NIT, you're being ridiculous. I'm just going to call you out. You're being silly, okay? This is an NCAA tournament team that is not going to change. It's a team that is playing without Kyle Young that has to be taken with a grain of salt. They're shooting the ball really poorly right now. But what if I told you that going into the Maryland game, the effective field goal percentage for Ohio State, that is field goal percentage plus one half for every three-point made to account for the different weight of three-pointers, their effective field goal percentage going into Maryland was ninth in the country, ninth out of a hundred or out of three hundred and fifty-three teams. They were ninth best shooting the ball in effective field goal percentage. So, folks, Ohio State is fine. They're in the middle of a three-game slump. I would go so far as to say, because in these last three games combined, they're shooting like a combined 34 percent from from a just in and sh- shooting percentage in general. Okay. I would go so far to say if they're shooting even 40%, 41%, then you're likely to see two, maybe even three wins out of these last three games. Maryland was number 12 in the country. It was a road game. West Virginia right now is number 16 in the country. That was a neutral neutral court. Um, I know it's technically in Ohio. It was a neutral court game officially, and West Virginia did have a lot of fans there to get to their credit. So that was a neutral game. Wisconsin, I know you should beat Wisconsin at home, but don't be deceived by the record. They actually were playing a lot better, finally. They had beaten Indiana by 20. They beat Tennessee by 20. They beat Marquette by 17. This is a Wisconsin team that is not bad. There's no shame in losing to them. Should Ohio State beat Wisconsin at home? Absolutely. I am not saying there aren't problems. Turnovers continue to be a problem. 14 turnovers, not a huge number in this game, but out of 68 possessions, almost 28% or 20%, that has got to be lower. They, they need to get that down to about 15 or 14% or lower. That's a couple turnovers a game, and that makes up a, a big difference. I know it doesn't seem like it, but that's why basketball is so fluky, and that's why you have to be patient with basketball. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Two or three turnovers in a game doesn't seem like much, but that's a huge difference. Considering six to nine point favorites, Ohio State was only a three-point underdog in this game. Six and nine-point favorites, it's not a big deal. That's only two or three three-pointers a game. You could have a natural variance of, of three three-pointers a game different than what a team normally shoots, and you can overcome a lot of teams that are better than you. And so it's the same way with turnovers. If you just If Ohio State can eliminate the, uh, the pointless passing... Okay, the passes that don't have value. You have three ways that you can accumulate value from a pass. Of course, number one, you can move a defense, which doesn't create a shot right away. But what it does is an additional pass after you move a defense, you can catch uh, passing lanes, you can get open shots. So multiple passes that move a defense will eventually get you a shot. You can hit an open teammate off of a pass. That's a, that's a valuable pass. You can create an opportunity where a guy is not open, but you giving the right passing angle or the right passing lane is able to put the ball where 
your teammate can find an open shot, whether it's in the post or whether it's a, a dribbling lane off of a secondary defender. There are a whole number of ways. But those are ways that you can pass to add value to your team. If you just pass with no shot coming off of it, it doesn't move a defense, it's, it's, it's a pointless pass. You're just creating risk because the ball's in the air, number one. You're taking time off the clock. You're not moving your offense. You have no rhythm. Some passing is actually harmful to an offense. I know it's crazy. You think growing up that every, you know, passing is unselfish and it's good. And no, just passing the ball for the sake of passing is not helping your team. It's not helping your offense. Ohio State is stuck in a rut right now. This is where people being concerned about Ohio State's offense, it has some some merit. They need to have better flow from the offense. They need to get rid of, of pointless passing. And I've given an example that I pointed out on Twitter during the game. Luther Muhammad was standing about six feet behind three point, the three-point line. His defender was sagging a little bit. For whatever reason, Caleb Wesson standing at the elbow with a defender right behind him facing Muhammad prompted Luther to decide to throw a lob pass over his own defender to try to get it to Wesson. Now, that pass made no sense because what is Caleb going to do with that? He's not making a post move in the high post on the elbow. He's got a defender on him, so he's, he's not doing anything with it. It's not moving the defense. People were standing and watching. His own defender made a great play, by the way. He, he got a really insane level of elevation and picked the pass off. But that goes to the point. That pass was not going to help Ohio State. Even if it's caught by Wesson, it doesn't move a defense. It doesn't help. By the time it even gets to Wesson, if it did move a defense, they have time to recover. So it, it provided no value for Ohio State. The Buckeyes are doing too much with the ball without thinking about what their next move is. And that's a point that I, I hit on the other day. They're dribbling the lane without thinking about what they'll do if they get stopped, okay? If they don't get to the rim, what are they going to do with the ball? They're not thinking about that. They're passing in the post just for the sake of passing it to the post player, Caleb Wesson. But they're not moving a defense. They're not getting it to him correctly. They're not getting it away from the defense where he can do something with it. So if it's not picked off, it's just allowing time for them to double or triple team him. Ohio State does need to fix these problems, but they're being exacerbated right now. People are perceiving it to be worse because of the shooting woes. Because of Ohio State shooting the ball so poorly right now, it looks a lot worse than it is. It's a combination of facing a good schedule and shooting the ball. So all of these turnovers and the the sloppy offense is being magnified If they were shooting at 50%, you wouldn't be looking at this team and say, oh, they're so bad. Because while they do have problems passing the ball and taking care of the ball, it's just magnified with the shooting right now. As I said, Ohio State is still a top 10 shooting team or was going into this game. It's probably dropped. As I'm recording this, I don't have the updated stats. They probably dropped down a few spots. But they're one of the best shooting teams in the country. They're just going through a slump. Basketball is a marathon. It's not a sprint. I think also, this is another point I mentioned on Twitter. I really think the Maryland game specifically was also exacerbated by the ball. Maryland, of course, is an Under Armour school. 
they use an Under Armour basketball. Under Armour basketballs are said to be a lot slicker than other balls. Shane Larson, my man, the game time guru, he does the the gridiron game time on my unscripted Ohio network. He mentioned this too. Nike Elite is another ball that's very slick, slicker than most Nike balls and Adidas balls and Spalding. Same way with uh, uh, same way with the Under Armour balls. If you watch this game really closely, you notice the announcers mentioned the ball getting loose for Ohio State a lot and and having a harder time holding on to it. And if you also notice, at least four or five times they mentioned the ball clearly didn't look right out of the shooter's hands for Ohio State. I really think the Under Armour ball was giving them fits. I know uh, several times in the past when Ohio State would go play up in uh, the Kohl Center against Wisconsin, Ohio State players always complained about the ball that Wisconsin used. It was a lot slicker, and they had a hard time shooting the ball. And you may remember a couple of high-profile losses up there in Madison. And this is So this can affect a shooting team, and when you're already in a slump, shooting the ball with a ball that you're not familiar with that's a lot slicker, harder to grip, you could see it with the Ohio State players. They were having a hard time gripping the ball. It just wasn't coming out of their hands right. It was coming off their pinky to the side. They didn't get a lot of rotation that they normally get. And the result was was clear. They shot 31% for the game, 5 of 27 from three-point range. So I think the ball contributed. I'm not blaming the loss on the ball because Ohio State has not been shooting well the last couple of games. But I just think that they're in a slump right now. They're playing without Kyle Young. When you have the ball on top of that, with a couple of the turnover problems that they have, some of the turnover problems that they have. Sure, Ohio State is, is not playing well. But again, not to beat a dead horse here, it is a marathon. It's not a sprint. That's why basketball plays 30-some games instead of 12. It takes a lot more games for a proper sample. You, you could say that maybe there's a little bit of regression going on. That's possible. I, I don't think that's it. I think it's a slump. There's a difference between a regression and a slump, Okay. Sometimes slumps happen. It doesn't mean you're regressing. It just means that eventually you're going to go through your peaks. You're going to go through your valleys. Sometimes they'll even out. Sometimes they're going to go back and forth. Ohio State is in a slump. It's not going to continue all season. Now, again, they do have to get things moving really quickly because it's a really treacherous Big Ten schedule coming up, and they can't afford to dig themselves a hole. Don't go thinking crazy things like the NIT. That is not a problem. They're going to be an NCAA tournament team. And even if they fall down to a five, six, seven seed because that they have a really, really tough middle of the season stretch, it doesn't mean that this team isn't good enough or capable of going on a big run in the NCAA tournament. We've seen it so many times where a four, five, seven, even nine seed makes a run, gets to the final four. So that can happen. Ohio State will be fine. Again, I'm not saying that with a whole city collapsing behind me. I'm not being a homer here. I'm just, I'm telling you what the numbers say. I've seen this movie before. Shooting slumps happen in the course of a season to almost every team every single year. And I really think shooting is the biggest culprit. That's not to say it's the only issue, but the turnovers, if not completely rectified, I think they'll get settled down. I'm sure the shooting will get better. They're not going to continue to shoot 30, 35% game in, game out. It's just not going to happen. It'll happen again, 
but it's not going to be a widespread problem, I promise. So the Buckeye basketball team slipping and sliding right now to a three-game losing streak. They're back in action this weekend at Indiana. Not an easy game for a team trying to get its feet back under it, but nonetheless, that is what they face. Coming up next, we'll talk about some Ohio State recruiting, a few tidbits to to, uh, look ahead to with the 2021 class. All right, so here's the deal. This is the time of year when the recruiting slows down when you got most of your class built up. Of course, with the early signing day especially, Ohio State has already got most of its targets signed. There are still a few guys out there for the 2020 recruiting class that they're targeting. They're looking at Cam Martinez, of course, a guy that could play receiver or defensive back. He committed to Ohio State, but he did not sign with Ohio State. Few other guys that Ohio State will continue to monitor. They'll look at this Quincy Rose situation that we've discussed this week. They'll look at some other defensive backs out there. A couple other guys that they could add to the class. But the focus now, primarily, is going to be on the 2021 class. And that is starting to heat up. It's already looking like an amazing, amazing class. When when you look at the guys that they have in this class right now, uh, they, of course, already had... Kyle McCord, the big one at quarterback, his high school teammate, Marvin Harrison Jr., son of former Hall of Fame receiver Marvin Harrison. Jack Sawyer, big-time defensive end, one of the top players in the country, of course, right out of Central Ohio and Pickerington. Ben Chrisman, one of the best tackles in the country. Jalen Ballard, Reed Carrico, great linebacker. Sam Hart, recent tight end commit. And then on Tuesday, they picked up a huge commitment from Jalen Johnson, a safety slash linebacker of Cincinnati LaSalle. Now, what I really like about this commitment, although the recruiting services aren't real high on him just yet, he's a guy that really fits the mold of a versatile defender, a guy that can, as I mentioned, play safety, play linebacker. He's a guy that they say can really play in slot coverage really well. Versatile guy, and it it shows, it's a signaling of something else, that a critique that I've heard from Ohio State fans this year, if there was one concern, and I'm not sure I I understand it or I agree with it, but if there was one concern in the recruiting aspect of Ohio State under Ryan Day, there are some people that were disappointed by the amount of talent coming on the defensive side of the ball. As I said, I don't share that viewpoint, but this 2021 class, if you look at it, it's shaping up to wipe those fears away. Jalen Johnson, a versatile defender, can play a couple positions. Carrico, as I said, one of the la- one of the best linebackers in the country. Jack Sawyer is the number one strong side, or the number two strong side defensive end in the country, behind only Corey Foreman, who's the number one player in the country in the 24-7 composite rankings right now. He's a guy that Ohio State may or may not have uh, a chance with down the road. He's been mentioned with Ohio State. He's been linked. Look, he's a top player in the country for a reason. I don't know if Ohio State is going to be able to overcome the attention that he's got from so many schools, but they are in the mix. There's been a lot of uh, positive banter the last couple of weeks for Ohio State with JT Tuomalu. He's a big-time defensive tackle out of the state of Washington, was leaning towards the Huskies. He's a top-10 player. He's actually the number one defensive tackle in the country. But he's a top 10 player that was leaning toward the University of Washington until Chris Peterson stepped down. Now there are some people that think Ohio State could land him. Uh, So there's so many guys. You go down the list, Landon Jackson out of Texas. Um, 
Damon Payne out of uh, Michigan, the state up north, another defensive tackle that Ohio State's big on. Derek Davis, a safety out of Pennsylvania. The list goes on and on and on. But this looks like a class for Ohio State that can really do a lot of damage at so many positions on both sides of the football. So the future is bright for Ohio State. And oh, by the way, they may be picking up another commitment here today as Wednesday afternoon, they are scheduled to hear the announcement from Donovan Jackson, a 6'4", 300-pound offensive tackle out of Bel Air, Texas. He is making his decision known. It is believed that Ohio State will land Jackson a four-star tackle over Alabama, Texas, Texas A&M, Stanford, Georgia, and several other teams. So that would be a big-time get for the Buckeyes. The future is bright for Ohio State, but the point is, offense, defense, you name it. If there was any concern on the defensive side of the ball, I'm telling you, this 2021 class, I think it's going to put to rest those concerns. This looks like it's going to be a very thorough class once again. And the defensive talent is going to begin to accumulate for years to come under Ryan Day. So Buckeye Nation, I know it's been a bleak couple of weeks. The loss in the Fiesta Bowl, Ohio State basketball with a three-game losing streak. I know it's it's not been a good start to 2020 for Ohio State, but I think it's going to turn around really quickly. Recruiting, I think the basketball team will get things together. Plenty to worry about, or plenty to cheer about. Not a Freudian slip, I hope, but plenty, plenty to cheer about coming up in 2020. I think Ohio State is going to bounce back in recruiting, on the field, on the court, you name it. It'll be fine. Just chill, people. Take a deep breath, relax, maybe light some candles, some incense, get your emotions, get your your feelings all uh, uh, thinned out, calm down. It'll be okay. 2020 is here for Ohio State. I promise you that. Locked on Buckeyes, your daily Ohio State football and basketball podcast. Thanks for giving us a listen. Make sure you spread the good word. We're on most of your favorite podcasting platforms, Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, et cetera, et cetera. Follow me on Twitter at KYLAM8. Follow the show at LockedOnBuckeye. Thanks for giving us a listen. We'll be back on Thursday. Have a good one, everybody.